Well, morning, everyone. Fantastic to be here. And uh, this morning's uh, topic is so important, uh, so personal, I'd really like um, to ask God to help us as we get into it. So uh, would you do that with me? Oh, please, Lord God, uh, we do ask. Now, please help me to speak truthfully, uh, help us to hear clearly, and please help us to respond rightly. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our summer series, Christianity, the best news uh, you've perhaps uh, never heard. And today's topic is your life really matters. Now, some of you may be sitting there and thinking, no, I I don't feel my life does matter. Uh, Please hang with me. Your life does matter. God has something very special for you to hear this morning. But I think for a whole bunch of others, you hear this topic, um, my life really matters. And you think, of course, of course my life matters. I'm important. I'm valuable, I can make a difference, of course my life really matters. And I think there's something in the fact that for most of us, that's often our initial reaction. I think that it shows that intuitively we have some sort of sense of life matters, our life matters, my life matters. We're valuable. We're made for something important in this life. We're not just going through the motions, this life matters. But also, I think if we're honest, in our heart of hearts, there are often times when we're left wondering, does it really matter? Does it really matter that much at all? My life matters. I know it does. Of course it does. But if I'm honest, I wonder. Because our experiences so often don't match up with what we think it should be. Life seems to offer so much. So many wonders, so many possibilities, so many experiences and opportunities. And yet, it's over so quickly. And so often is much emptier than we thought it would be. Our experience of life seems to clash with this intuition that we have that life really matters. Now, I think it's so hard to be honest about this. I think it's so hard to be honest about this because no one wants to. Our society runs around pretending that this is not the case. Uh, You know, the emperor has no clothes, but we keep pretending he does have clothes. He does have clothes. But the thing that no one wants to admit is so often life lets us down. So often life feels so pointless. When you're young, you can feel like, wow, there's all these good times stretching ahead, so many opportunities, it's going to be epic, wonderful things to do and achieve and be, and everyone tells you, you can do anything, you can be anything, you can experience everything, you can achieve anything you want to, happiness, purpose is going to be yours in abundance, you can have an amazing life, you can have a life that really matters. But by the time you hit middle-aged, for most people, life has caught up with you somewhat, Someone you love has died. You've experienced some sort of serious sickness or injury or pain. That wonderful career of great purpose that you dreamed of has become a relentless grind. Financial concerns press in upon you. The concerns of family weigh upon you. The stresses of life squeeze upon you. And usually there are relational difficulties snapping at you. And if you're a bit reflective, you may have sat there at this Christmas lunch with your extended family and looked around at the young ones running along and thinking, that was me not long ago. And then looked over at the chair with the oldies dozing after a big meal and thought, that's me not long from now. (laughs) And you remember back a couple of Christmases ago where there were others there, but they're no longer there because they've died and thought, what's it all about? (laughs) Does my life really matter? I'm a kid and I blink and I've got a family and I blink and I've got middle-aged and I blink and now I'm old and I blink and then I'm dead. Life just seems to go so quickly, except the parts that are difficult, they seem to drag on and on. Does my life really matter? See, I reckon if we were honest, our experience seems to say, no, your life doesn't really matter. 
There's this great book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, which we've just had a passage read by Helen uh, for us. Let's look together at it again. It's written by a Jewish king called Solomon. And he was one of the greatest, most powerful, most wealthy kings to have ever existed. And he reflects here on the meaning of life. Particularly the thought that if this life is all there is, does this life really matter? And it's so helpful having him do it, him reflecting on it, because he had everything. He had it all. Don't you have this feeling that you think, oh, if it was possible that I had unlimited money, unlimited pleasure, unlimited sex, unlimited ability to create and build and impact the lives of others and do something of worth, then I'd not only be happy and thriving and fulfilled, but my life would be one that makes a difference. My life would be one that really mattered. But in this passage that's on your handout, these are exactly the things that King Solomon reflects on, tests to see if they give life real meaning. There, there, in verse 1, I'll test myself with pleasure, he says, with laughter and alcohol and mucking around and having fun and enjoying life. Would unlimited pleasure make my life a life that really mattered? And then he tests himself with great building projects. And this is a king with virtually unlimited wealth. Imagine what you could do, what you could build. He built great houses and parks and vineyards and gardens and reservoirs. You know, forget your little home renos. This guy you know, built cities and then filled the cities and would building things, creating things, leaving a legacy, building things at last, building things that made a positive impact in the lives of others, make my life a life that really mattered. He masses huge wealth, verse 8. I amass silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. Would winning the financial game, being uber wealthy, make my life a life that really mattered? Or sex, verse 8. I acquired a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. Would having as much sex and as varied sex, as much as I could possibly ever want, make my life a life that really mattered? Or fame, verse 9. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Not just greater than anyone now, but greater than anyone ever before me. Would having incredible fame, you know, Taylor Swift fame, becoming a household name, make my life a life that really mattered. His conclusion, verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart to delight in all my labour, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet... When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Do you see his conclusion? Look, I had it all. I had it all. I had everything that people dream about and in the end, it was meaningless. It didn't satisfy the way I wanted it to. It didn't satisfy the way I thought it would. And at the end of everything, death was waiting and robbing life of meaning because ultimately all I have, all I've achieved, all I've done will be gone. My life doesn't really matter at all. And don't you find this gels with our experience? What a wonderful book the Bible is. It, it, it brings reality to light for us. When you go to a crematorium for a funeral, what strikes you? Now I find there's a number of things that strike me when I go to a, a funeral at a crematorium, but one of them is this. This is a profitable business. Wow, look at them churning through the people. Every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes, every hour, another dead person, another dead person, another dead person, just churning them through. There's one chapel here and another chapel and another chapel. So many dead people being churned through. That's one crematorium. Think of all the crematoriums, all the funeral homes across the country, across the world. Think about 
How many people are dying every year? 61 million apparently last year. Every decade, every century. And I'm just this one little life amongst the mass of all these lives. One death amongst the billions and billions and billions of deaths across the millennia. Gone and forgotten. And you say, no, not forgotten. My kids will remember me. Yes. And then they'll die. And then their kids will die. And then their kids will die. And do you know the name of your great-great-grandfather? I don't. That probably says something about me. Wow, thanks, Graham. This is really depressing, right? (laughs) We've got this gut instinct. My life really matters. But our experience seems to scream, does it, does it, does it really matter? We fumble through life. We drop off the perch at the end. No one remembers us. And once we're gone, we're gone. And so often it feels like, does this life really matter at all? But into our experience steps Christianity. The best news you've perhaps never heard. And it says your life does really matter. And this morning I want to give you two things that say to us your life really matters. Two events that say your life really matters. One event is an event that is coming in the future. And the other event is an event that has occurred in the past. But let's start with the one that is coming in the future. Your life really matters because of judgment. Judgment. This is the future event that tells you your life really matters. Now, this might sound strange, but please bear with me. Your life really matters because of the day of judgment at the end of time when God will judge all people. Look with me on your sheets or on the screen at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment... Now, I just love how the Bible says things plainly and clearly how they are. People live this one life, die their one death, and after that one death, face judgment. Life's a one-way trip to meet with God. To stand before God, the judge of all people, it's where we all end up, no exceptions. After death, we all stand before the almighty God, just and holy judge, and will be called to account for how we have lived our lives. And on the basis of how we've lived our lives, God will determine our eternal destiny. Heaven, hell. Eternity with God and all that is good, heaven. Eternity away from God and all that is good, hell. The Bible clearly unambiguously declares that the end of every human life is judgment. We'll stand before God and be judged on the basis of how we've lived. Every deed we've ever done every thought we've ever had, every motive we've ever had in our hearts. And based on that, we'll face God's perfect decision about our eternal future, judgment. Now, you hear that and might think, wow, it sounds like there's only downside to this judgment thing. Because to stand before God, well, that's no walk in the park. What a terrifying thought to have the, the pure, holy, mighty God sift through every detail of my life, expose it, weigh it, and give a final unchangeable verdict, that's frightening. And so at first it might feel like judgment only has downside, but think with me a moment longer. What becomes apparent is that the future event of judgment means our life here and now matters. Our life here and now really matters. Because the fact of our coming judgment says how we live this life here and now really matters. Because there's a God and he's the judge. And there's a final day of judgment coming where everything we've ever done in this life will be judged. And because death isn't the end, but there's an eternity stretching on, an eternal future. And the decision about how we will spend that future rests on how we've lived this life. It really, really matters 
how we live this life because it determines our eternal future. Again, at first uh, glance, it might seem that this judgment thing is very negative. Oh, if God's going to judge, then it means I can't live how I want. It means that there's consequences for my actions at the end and big consequences, eternal consequences. With both sounds restricting, I can't just do what I want, and frightening, yes. But it's actually also an incredibly positive thing. The fact that God will judge humans shows that we have been created unique. We're not just animals. We're not just accidents. We've been created by God and created by God with a purpose, with a meaning for something. We exist for something that matters. Our life matters. And our purpose is not just any purpose, it's actually a grand purpose. Our purpose is to know the God of the universe, to love him, to obey him, and to then, by extension, care for and love those around us. Not just mucking around on the earth, trying to enjoy life as much as we can and minimise the pain as much as we can, but living, knowing the God who made us. Now, that's a purpose that really matters. Our life really matters. And the fact that God will call us to account for whether we live rightly according to this purpose for which he created us says, God says we have real dignity as human beings. We have real choices. We make real decisions. And God will hold us accountable for those choices and decisions, which shows again... God cares about us and our lives really matter. God cares how we live. God cares what we do. He takes you seriously and so your life really matters because we matter to him. Imagine your daughter comes home from school upset saying that her teacher doesn't care about you. And you try to work out why. Why does your teacher not care about you? Is it that they're not teaching well? They're really unclear. They don't cover the coursework. They don't. No, 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 she says. They're a good teacher. They teach you everything clearly, they teach you everything well, I, I know everything I need to know. Okay, so is it how they treat you? Do they, do they yell at you, get angry at you like my teachers? Do they smack your face into the wall or pop, you know, hit you over the head with books? No, I know teachers don't do that these days. Um, I probably deserved it. No, 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 no. My, my, my teacher's very kind. No, no, they talk to me, they're, they're kind to me, they're, they're lovely actually. What is it then that makes you think your teacher doesn't care for you? Well, she never marks my homework. Now, you might think, I wish I had a teacher like that. <laughs> but a teacher that doesn't mark your homework doesn't judge you how you've performed on the work set. It shows, I don't really care about you. When they do judge how you've performed, it shows they do care because they've set coursework that's for your good, developing you as a person. They've treated you as a responsible person. They want to take your actions seriously and do. And so they care enough to hold you to account by judging how well you've done against your homework and marking your work. It shows they care. The fact that God judges how we've gone in this life shows that God treats us as responsible people. God takes us and our actions seriously. He cares enough about us to hold each of us to account for how we've lived. It all shows that God actually cares about us, each of us. Do you see what this is all saying? Our lives really matter. Because God cares about us, cares how we live, and he will judge us according to how we've lived. Our choices, our actions mean something, and not just a game, have consequences, actually eternal consequences. Your life really matters. Now again, people hear all this judgment stuff and think, I don't really like the sound of it. And so go around searching for a different ending. I don't like that ending, give, give me a different ending. There's a few possible options when it comes to the ending. But I think a big one nowadays is just annihilation. We just matter. There's no God. So when we die, we die. 
we go into the ground, we rot. Nothing after this life, just this one life, so make sure you make the most of this life because it's all you've got, get the most out of it because once it's gone, it's gone. Now you can see why this is attractive, can't you? I can just do what I want. If there's no judgment at the end, there's no ultimate consequences or accountability. So I can choose my own adventure. If I want to move up the coast, live in a tent, get the dolls, smoke drugs, surf all day, do it. Choose that adventure. If I want to live a life of culture and art and theatre and music, go for it. If I want to work hard and be famous and build up heaps of money and... Go for it. They're all equally valid. Just choose to do whatever you want to do. If I choose to believe in Buddha or Muhammad or Krishna or the God of the Bible or no God, it doesn't really matter. I'm free to choose what I want because at the end, just cease to exist. It's all over and there's no consequences for my actions. But you think about it a little longer and reality starts to dawn. If I just die and then I'm gone and cease to exist, then everything in this life is nothing. It doesn't matter. Our lives don't matter, our decisions don't matter, there's no greater purpose, so I guess I just choose my own adventure and do what I want and get on with it and make the most out of it. Whether I choose a life of eating, drinking, partying and having fun, or I choose to have a life of being a respectable, middle-class, family-raising person, or I choose to live a life of uh, murdering, raping, stealing and abusing, it doesn't really matter. They're all equally valid choices because at the end there will be no accounting will just be gone, it's all meaningless. Now society will say, no, 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 there are are better options, we should live this way as respectable people, but really in the end, that's just society making up what they want for how we, we should live. The reality is if there's no God, no judgment, humans are just making up how to live. If death is the end and there's no judgment, not only do people get away with doing heinous and terrible things, but it also robs all of life of meaning. Ultimately, we don't matter. If death is it, you're no more significant than the autumn leaves. Green once, now yellow, fall to the ground, rot. And then a nuts batch comes up next year and another batch comes up next year. But the Bible teaches that there is a coming judgment and this reality says your life matters because you matter to God. Your choices and actions mean something. That's the first big event that tells you your life really matters, a future event. But there's also a past event that tells you your life really matters. Your life really matters because of Jesus and what he did dying on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago. Look again at your sheets at uh, Hebrews 9. Just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment... So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Do you see, this tells us that Jesus' death is unlike any other. Verse 28, all, uh, 27, all people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. But then 28, but Jesus died once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many. Just like every other human, Jesus died, but he died once as a sacrifice to take away many people's sins. His death is unlike any other. It actually achieves something incredible, something profound, something that says your life matters. Now, there's two words here that we might find a bit unusual. Sin and sacrifice, what do they mean? Well, sin. Sin is a word that pictures how we've failed to live up to the purpose for which God has created us. 
failed to live knowing God, loving God, obeying God, failed to live caring for and loving those around us. In our lives, we've failed in all sorts of ways, and you can probably think of many in your own life. Failed by doing all sorts of things we know, I should not have done that thing. You can probably bring some to mind. Failed by not doing all sorts of things we should have done. Failed by doing good things, but doing good things with actually selfish and bad motives in our heart. And bad things with bad motives as well. Failed by thinking bad things about other people, thinking bad things even about God. Being self-absorbed and self-focused and self-centred and selfish. And all our greed and our arrogance and our laziness and the times we've used people. Men, the times where you've used women, the times we've lied cheated, the times when we've let people down because it just wasn't convenient for me, but most of all, most of all, most of all, our indifference to God, the God who created us and gave us life and all that we have, and we just can't be bothered with him. Don't think about him, don't care about him, indifferent. Sin is like a disease inside every human. You know, with lots of um, bad diseases, bad sicknesses, there's symptoms that you can see on the outside that show there's actually something very serious going on invisibly within. Well, you look at any one of our lives, you look at my life and you see, wow, there's all sorts of symptoms on the outside that show we have this disease. There's the selfishness and the greed and the lying and the using people and the arrogance and the laziness and the, that show there's a deeper disease within and the deeper disease within is, I don't care about you, God. Indifference. Don't want him to be our ruler. In fact, we can't even be bothered with him. Indifference. And so because of our sin, we're all, all guilty before this God and on that judgment day, we'll stand condemned by this God rightly, justly and eternally cut off from God and all that's good. But here's where the word sacrifice is critical for us. Sacrifice, which is a word we generally know what it means. You know, someone gives up, someone bears the pain, someone bears the cost for a good to come of it. So you sacrifice something in the present, buying that sweet car that you want to have, for a better outcome in the future. Put that money towards paying down the mortgage so I can own my house more quickly. But often we use sacrifice when we're talking about someone sacrifices for someone else. So parents, you know your life is a constant sacrifice for your kids. You give up, You experience pain, you experience loss, you do it lovingly, willingly, for the good of your kids. Well, that's what Jesus has done for us, sacrificed. But the sacrifice that's talked about here is his death. The price he pays for us is giving up his own life for us. There's a practice in the Old Testament part of the Bible, which is this, this chunk of the Bible before the coming of Jesus. And it was actually there to get everyone ready for the coming of Jesus. It was a system of animal sacrifices that God gave to the Jewish people. And the idea was whenever you sinned, you'd travel to the temple, but you'd take an animal with you, and when you got to the temple, the animal would be killed. And what you were doing when you did that was saying, God, I have sinned against you. And because of my sin, because it's so serious, I deserve to die. I deserve your just condemnation. But please treat this animal as if it were me. Please let it die the death I deserve. Please let your judgment fall upon it instead of me so I don't need to die. A sacrifice for me, a sacrifice in my place. And all of this over the centuries was to prepare for the coming of Jesus. The true sacrifice 
offered for the sins of many. God, I deserve to die and be eternally condemned because of my sin. But please take Jesus who steps in my place like an animal and dies our death so I don't need to die, is condemned for our sins so we don't need to be condemned, is sacrificed for us on our behalf. So why did Jesus die? He steps in our shoes. He owns our sin as if he had done it, but he hadn't. He took on himself our greed and our arrogance and our lying and our mistreatment and using of people. He took on himself the times when we've lied and we've cheated. He took on the times when we've let people down because it just wasn't convenient for us. But most of all, he took on himself our indifference to God. And when Jesus had taken all that upon himself, God's just anger fell upon him and he died. God's just anger that we deserve to come upon us at the judgment day falls upon Jesus in our place. He was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. So the verse 28, when Christ comes again, it won't be to bear sin. Ah, it's been done once and for all. Rather, to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, to take us to heaven. A number of years ago, uh, ago an Australian girl travelled over to the US for a holiday, and on the holiday she decided to go tandem skydiving. Soon after the takeoff, uh, the plane engine failed. As the plane went down, it, it, uh, it clipped a power pole and they went headfirst uh, into a tree. On the plane, there was a 22-year-old male instructor. He was the one who was going to be doing the tandem jump with her. As the plane was going down, he grabbed the Aussie girl, he pulled her close, he clicked his harness into hers, he directed her attention to him, and he calmly explained what was going to happen. And then he pulled her close, he tucked her head under his chin, put his head there to stabilise her, and said, whatever happens, make sure you're on top of me so that I'll take the full force of the impact. He died. She survived. Now that's a hero, isn't it? That's a hero. He sacrificed himself by absorbing the full force of the impact to save her from the impact. Jesus sacrificed himself by absorbing the full force of the impact that we deserve on the day of judgment for how we have lived to save us, undeservedly to save us from that impact. The Jesus who he'd been indifferent to, who he'd wronged, who he'd lived life without... He steps in our place and takes the full force of the judgment of God so that on that last day, we will not face the impact of that judgment. Now, if this is new to you, all of this might come as a real shock (laughs) because so often to us as humans, sin feels pretty trivial, pretty insignificant, pretty small. Isn't uh, isn't it our job as humans to fail and let God down and when nobody's perfect? It can't be that bad, can it? But the death of Jesus says, yeah, yeah, it's that bad. It's so bad that if left to ourselves, there will be a judgment which will result in eternal condemnation. And it's so bad that God gave his own son to stand under his just judgment to deal with our sin. But God did it in overwhelming love for us. He gave his own son as a sacrifice to take away our sin and save us from the judgment we deserve. Now, I've got three kids, and I love my kids. I love my kids, as I imagine you do. I could not imagine giving them up to die. What cause could be so great that I would give my child for that cause? God gave his dearly loved son as a sacrifice for you, for us, 
This is the God who is love, not indifferent. This is the God who loves his son more than you could possibly imagine, more than you have ever loved anyone in your life. What could cause this God to, to give up his son as a sacrifice? You, us, to take away our sin and save us from the judgment we deserve. Can you hear what I'm saying? All these cries out, your life really matters because you matter to God. God loves you. God gave everything for you. He has nothing more precious. God loved you so much, he sacrificed his son to save you from the judgment. It cries out to us, our lives really matter because they matter to God. But then the flip side of all this is, it now really matters what we do with our lives in light of all this. Because if you hear this about Jesus and remain in indifference, if you hear all this about Jesus and ignore what he's done for us, you receive no benefit from his death. It's as if his sacrifice didn't happen for you. You remain carrying your own sin. You carry it into the day of judgment. And you stand before the holy God and will be justly judged for how you have lived and so eternally condemned. If we go on living our own life just as we did before, indifferent to God, indifferent to Jesus that on the day we'll be judged as sinners and the full force of the impact of God's judgment will fall upon us and not upon him. If you get nothing else from today, can I ask you please this one thing? Don't walk away thinking, oh, it's all going to just turn out all right in the end. It's all going to be okay. This is no big deal. It's all going to go. God takes us too seriously for us to pretend or treat this like it's not real or like it's no big deal. It is real. And it's a massive deal. Do you hear Jesus' death shouts out that God will ultimately, in the judgment, act against our indifference to him and his son? We might think it's trivial. God says, no, no, it's not trivial. Jesus' death cries out, get serious about Jesus now. Do something now. People put off this sort of stuff too often. It's very easy to kick the can down the road and think, I'll, I'll get to this stuff later. Now, when, when I'm older and I've finished having my fun, when I'm not so busy with the kids, when I'm not so... There's always a reason to kick it down the road and not get serious about this stuff now. Have you ever seen a disaster happening in slow motion? Let me tell you about a, an almost disaster, a mini disaster that didn't quite happen, happening in slow motion to, to one of my kids. Uh, our first uh, child, daughter, Joelle, was about 14 months old at the time. We went to Taronga Park Zoo. And we loved the zoo, we used to go there quite a bit. And uh, so we did the, did the rounds in the zoo, we went to the reptiles, and we saw the lizards and the snakes, and then we went to the African exhibit, and we saw the zebras and the elephants and whatever else lives in the savannah. And uh, as we were walking from one uh, exhibit to the next, we saw a sign that said, Giant Galapagos Tortoise Feeding. And as we looked in, not only were the zookeepers feeding the giant Galapagos tortoises, but there were kids in there hand-feeding the giant Galapagos tortoises. Um, big, chunky carrots and huge chunks of lettuce and that sort of thing. We thought, awesome. Let's get our 14-month-old in there with these huge and huge, beautiful, slow-moving animals. This is a real hands-on experience at the zoo. Totally appropriate for our toddler. And so we gave her a carrot and virtually unsupervised, she went over to hand-feed this massive creature. And it slowly turned its head to look at her. Slowly reached out and closed its mouth on the carrot she was holding and her finger. <laughs> 
Now, if you'd seen it crushing the carrots previously, you'd be aware of its massive jaw strength. But can I just say, she's okay. She was fine. She's got a big gash on her finger. For the next few days, she walked around saying, taut bite, taut bite, taut bite. And we took off to get some first aid. And I think that was the last time they ever did feeding of the giant Galapagos tortoise <laughs> at Taronga Park Sea. So sorry, everyone. Ruined it for you all. But the striking thing was, it just happened so slowly. The head moving, the door, jaws closing, and I watched the disaster of losing a finger, which didn't happen, happen slowly. I, I sort of knew it was dangerous, but because it was happening so slowly, I thought it can't actually be that dangerous, can it? It was that dangerous. The judgment is a bit like that. For many people, it is a disaster, a real disaster coming, not just the potential loss of a finger, but the definite loss of life forever. But in a way, it feels like it's happening in slow motion. There's a day, a day of accounting will be judged. There is a potential eternal disaster coming, but it's happening in slow motion because there's this whole life between now and then before it actually happens. And so for whatever reason, people don't tend to take it as, this is an immediate danger. I've got to do something now. But just slowly let the disaster come to them until it's too late. Or visualise yourself standing on train tracks. The judgment of God is hurtling towards us and we're standing in front of it on the track. But you get busy with life, head down, looking at things and you look up and think, oh, it's a bit closer now, but still a fair way off. And so you get busy with life again, looking down and you look up, oh, it's a little bit closer, but plenty of time. And so you look down and get busy with life. You look up again, oh, it's quite a bit closer this time but still plenty of time and so you look down and get busy with life and you look up and boom, it hits you. It's all over. Our death and judgment can seem to people like, this is such a long way off. And each time you, you, you look up from your life and think about it, it still feels a long way off. It is an incredible thing that people are very, who are very, very, very old still think their death and the coming judgment is a long way off. It's not. And then it hits you and you're dead and it's too late and you face the judgment without the sacrifice of Jesus, and the full impact falls upon you rather than upon him. If we walk away and remain indifferent to God and his son, then we're turning our backs on God's love for us, and God wants you to know his love and know it forever. Do you hear what I'm saying? Life is very short, and it really matters what we do with it and do with it now. And nothing matters more than getting right with God. The God who has loved us so much, he's given his son for you. So please can I ask you this morning, why not put an end to keeping God out, to keeping God at a distance, to being indifferent and not bothered with him? Why not accept the gift that he's given you in his son, his son's life for yours, so you can be forgiven, so you can be right with God, so you can live every day knowing I'm loved and right with God and on the judgment day I will be okay. I'm certain heaven is mine because of what Jesus has done for me. The full force of the impact of judgment will not fall upon me because it's fallen upon Jesus. And you can accept it by receiving the gift of Jesus and putting God and Jesus now again at the centre of your life. No longer indifference. No longer not thinking about God but saying, no, no, I want to bring God close. I want to have him at the centre. I want to have him uh, shaping things in my life. Now, in many ways you think, this is a big decision. Yeah, You put Jesus at the centre of your life, it'll change everything wonderfully. But it'll change everything. 
It'll lift you up, turn you upside down, give you a good shake, all sorts of junk will fall out, but it'll be good for you. It'll change all sorts of stuff. So in a sense, it's a big thing to move from indifference to God to putting him and his son at the centre as your ruler. But in another way, it's a massively easy thing to accept the gift of Jesus and to bring God to be the centre of your life. You just do it by praying, by saying sorry to God for how you've lived, by thanking him for sending Jesus, by saying, I'm guilty and I need forgiveness. And so after what we've heard this morning, this is so big, this is so important, and if you've been hearing me, this is so urgent, I just don't want to leave you hanging. So I want to give some of you the opportunity now, if you want to do this, uh, if you want to say, yes, I want to accept the gift of Jesus. I want God now to be the centre and not the periphery of my life. You can do it now by praying. It's not magical. It's just reaching out to God to say, I I now want to make a fresh start with you, starting over with God, by praying to him, talking to him. And you can use a prayer like this. Uh, Prayer goes something like, Lord God, I know that I've been guilty of leaving you out of my life. I don't deserve the gift of Jesus' life. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to be a sacrifice so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me and change me so that I may live with Jesus the centre of my life, my ruler. So if you're here this morning and something of this has touched you and you thought, yes, I want a fresh start with God. I want him at the centre. I want to know this forgiveness. I want certainty that I'll be right in the day of judgment because I now know my life matters because it matters to God. Then you might want to pray that now. Just pray it silently in your head. I'll use those same words. Pray it silently in your head and talk to God. So let's give it a go. Oh, Lord God, I know I've been guilty of leaving you out of my life. I don't deserve the gift of Jesus' life. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to be a sacrifice so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me and change me so that I may live with Jesus, the centre of my life, my ruler. Amen. Now, if you've done that this morning for the first time, this is incredible. You've started a whole, a whole new life, a whole new relationship with God. And when you start that, it's almost like you're a little baby again. And, and, and many of us have become Christians over the years. And when we've had that experience, you find I'm like a little baby and I don't know anything. <laughs> I need some help. I need to learn. What is it to be a Christian? How do I live? How do I understand the Bible? How do I... And so if that's you, we'd love to get you the help that we received when we first became Christians and it was new to all us. Uh, all of us. And so, um, if you want to, if you just prayed the prayer, I'd love you to come down after the service when everyone's milling around and going out and just let us know. I'm going to be down the front, Jamie, I think Pippa's going to hang around and, and maybe Karina. Um, come down and chat with us if you've prayed and you want to think, what's, what's next? Or if you think I'm close, but I have some questions or I, I, I want to get some more info, or come down and have a chat with us. But let me finish by praying now. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much that in your great love for us, you sent Jesus to bear our sin. Please help us all to place Jesus at the centre of our lives and to always live with him at the centre of our lives and to know his complete forgiveness, your love that says our life matters. And thank you, Father, that because of the judgment, because of Jesus, our life really does matter because they matter to you. Please help us to live them like they matter. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.